send one of theirs to the morgue. You don't know what hard times are, daddy. A paradigm shift. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Missing the Marks, a podcast where two friends give their takes on some of the biggest happenings in wrestling from week to week, and we also break down the AEW Dynamite and Rampage. As always, uh, I am your co. I am the co-host of this project podcast. Uh, my name is Nate. <laughs> this is going and- great. <laughs> yeah. it's you going want to restart it? You want to restart it? No, you go and I love this. Keep rolling, rolling. No, no, no. We're gonna edit this out. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I'm not. I'm definitely not. Keep this in. <laughs> You're gonna keep this in. Yeah, hell yeah. Let's keep going. Just roll it. Uh, I love it. All right. Okay. So you know we're shooting from the hip. Yo, Kyle has a bad voice, and he asked me to do this, and uh, whatever. Anyway, this Kyle, he's he's here being an ass. <laughs> but yeah, uh, be- yeah, my be- voice is dying. Mm-hmm. But before we start, I want to remind you that you can find the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and all other podcast services around the world. And on today's episode, we're kind of going back to normal f- format here. We're going to discuss uh, Rampage and Dynamite and also break down what happened throughout the week. We had some interesting happenings with the Saudi Arabia show. Uh, also, Bound for Glory Impact pay-per-view just happened. Um, we also had some happenings in New Japan uh, with Okada winning the G1. Uh, no spoilers there. If, if you haven't seen it yet, well, I guess I ruined it for you. My apologies. Um, anyway, Kyle, where do you want where do you want to pick up from since I butchered that intro? <laughs> <laughs> I love it, Joey. Oh, man. That was great. Oh, man. Uh, let's let's... Uh, let's start off with Crown Jewel. I mean, the show is, I, I'd say like the show is like a six out of 10, like a, a seven at like halfway through. And then it just kind of dropped down for me personally towards the end. It was uh, all right. I, 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 I just can't do it anymore, man. I can't do the product. Like it's just, it's just not interesting to me. And then, like, every Roman match I've kept up with, it's always the same finish. Deucel's coming and interfere and blah, 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 blah. And, like, okay, you, you want to get mad? Be like, well, that's what Hills is supposed to do, cheat. Yeah, you know, whatever. But it's just mix it up a little bit, you know? Like, let Roman just get the win clean or something. Or <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, definitely match of the night was probably Edge and Seth, and that opened the show. In the that was a good cell. match. And actually, the, my second favorite match was Goldberg, believe it or not. Like, that was actually a good match. Okay, I see, I missed the Goldberg do. match. I missed the Goldberg match. What was like? What was, give me the quick highlights. I mean, they kind of had like a duel of the fates thing going on. Like they met up on the ramp with two kendo sticks, and you know they started dueling. But by dueling, I mean Goldberg hit the shit out of Bobby Lashley, and Bobby Lashley for about like two seconds longer just had it over his head. And I was like, dude, you could have hit him by now, but whatever. You know, the, I guess the camera crew didn't cut enough. But it was just, a, it was, it was a. Probably Goldberg's best match since that Brock Lesnar squash in terms of like what did what it needed to do and you know Goldberg didn't get unfortunately injured or something like that you know like no mishaps and stuff so kudos to that for that match um, I enjoyed it you know yeah you had was, Xavier Woods beating Finn Balor to that's win you. King of the Ring that Kang man uh, boy everybody was really worried that they were gonna mess that booking up. Yeah, I'm really happy for Xavier Woods, man. I'm I'm glad he he's now the king of the ring and fulfilled that childhood dream. Hopefully, next he gets uh the what he wants to be a host of uh, Nickelodeon games or uh, uh, G four G four. Hell yeah, I, I'd subscribe. Yeah. So, but uh, yeah, I mean that, this that's pretty much like the big win for all the members of the New Day so far. 
mm-hmm. only thing Xavier's missing is a world title run like Kofi and Big E have. Yeah, man. Um, that'd be pretty cool to see as well, you know? That way, like, of course, they're going to get inducted to the Hall of Fame as the New Day, but, you know, if they could get in with their own accolades as well, I think that'd be pretty awesome considering everything that they've done in the history that they've had. Yeah, I know. I mean, they've had, like, one of the craziest run. What are they, like, uh, are they 12-time tag champs? That's just off the top of my head. I I'm, I lost count, man. And, of course, like, you know, bleeding into SmackDown and Raw, you had the draft that just happened in the mix-ups and shake-ups with the rosters and stuff. And um, I, I, I just, like, and I'm keeping my eye on it, but, like, it, in terms of, like, am I going to watch every week? No. Like, it just, I, I don't, like, it's not interesting to me. Uh, oh, yeah. I, no, I, I, tried, I, I, I tried giving the Queen's tournament a, a chance, but, like, when you have two-minute oh, matches every day or every, every show, it's just like, come on, dude. Like, that's, and then the that's, finals that's is only five minutes in Saudi Arabia, of all places. That, that's, that's terrible, man. Like, nothing <laughs> against the performers at all. Like, I know that any of those performers can go in and put on a hell of a match. It's just... Oh yeah, no, they're definitely, it's definitely like they're just playing with the cards that they're dealt. Yeah, like the whole, you gotta make chick, you gotta make chicken salad out of chicken crap is such a stupid mentality to be, to have and to, you know, be expected of, you know, with your creative decision. So I, I, my heart goes out to them in terms of having to deal with that and trying to make the best that they can, but it's just, you know, your creative process is not great. Change it, please. (laughs) I mean, I mean, yeah, I mean, I mean, the fact that they have a three hour show on Monday and they can only find room for three women's matches and all of them are less than like five minutes. It's it's kind of insane. And it's it's such an opposite of what's going on in the like in every other promotion. I mean, granted, Dynamite and Rampage, you know, you get your one women's match a show and it's always picture in picture at one point. But I mean, look at Deanna Perrazzo and Mickey James. They had a match yesterday at bound for glory for the knockouts championship and the wwe had nothing for these women to do literally nothing they couldn't even put them in squash matches for new talent they had nothing for these women they just delivered an amazing match for the impact knockouts championship which mickey james won so i mean that's pretty cool i thought diana was gonna go a little longer and she's the triple a women's champion i thought they were gonna you know have a boat collector story for her but uh mickey james she showed out and She's looking good, dude. She hasn't had a long actual match because in WWE she did squashes and literally was a, a, a manager for her latest run. And I'm, I'm I mean, glad it, Mickey it, James is out there doing what she she does best. And she's so, she was really underutilized. And I didn't get to catch that that uh, match, dude. You know, I was I was busy with the funeral this weekend and stuff. Or, yeah, and everything, but um. You know, I'm glad to hear that these wrestlers are doing good outside of WWE. And I, I would love to hear that they're doing good inside of WWE as well. I mean, I think if everyone's on their A game, that's only better for the business as a whole. And also the fans and, you know, wrestling in general. But, um, of course, you know, just the whims of a couple people that are a little bit out of touch are kind of stifling some things where there's a lot of talent. And I'm not going to repeat the same old song and dance right now, but <laughs> just... Yeah, go. I mean, going off of Bound for Glory, I mean, the inspiration, uh, Cassie Lee and Jessica McKay, formerly known as the Iconics, they made their debut, um, and they won the Impact Knockout Tag Team Champs. Um, so, I mean, that's again, that's just another, you know, underutilized people making waves finally in other promotions that'll give them a chance. 
Heck yeah, I'm glad. I'm glad for them. I hope they have an awesome run, and I can't wait to see what they do. I'm definitely gonna start trying to check out Impact more on my whatever spare time I have. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean they're always entertaining. They, you know, they gave them a, a good storyline to become WWE Women Champion Tag Team Champions, and then they did fuck all with it. And I, I feel bad because I mean they're they're great. I mean, are they the most polished? Are they like? The most technical wrestlers know, but I mean, they know what to do in the ring. It sucks that they just kind of get nothing tossed at them. Especially because, I mean, I, th I think they were the champs for like, I want to say like anywhere between eight to a eight months to a year, and they made maybe two defenses and they were just kind of there. Yeah. And I, I mean, like what uh, Tegan Knox and Shotzi Blackheart, they had wins over uh, Natty yeah. and Tamina. Natty and Tamina. They had like and, three fucking wins over them. And they didn't get a title shot, and then they got separated. It's just like, <laughs> why, why, why? Um, I, I, I'm, what was I'm the point of rebooking rematches with the champions if they weren't getting anything out of it? I'm, I'm tired, dude. I'm just tired of having the same old <laughs> conversation. I mean, the definition of insanity is repeating the same thing over and over and expecting a different result. It's, again, why am I going to invest my time in a product that insults me with – it punishes me for watching your product. Like, if I'm trying to keep yeah. like, an eye on a long-term story and you're, you're trying to spend my belief for a bit and be like, hey, you know, these guys have like four wins against them. Why aren't they doing anything? And I'm not saying, you know, other companies are, are, aren't guilty of this too. I mean, AEW's had some, some choices as well, like such as the Gun Club who were undefeated. And they never got a title shot. Then they turn heel, and we'll see where that goes with that. But like, I I can excuse that because I trust the booking overall of that company a hell of a lot more than you know the 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 from WWE. So to me, it's just like I, I'm willing to excuse that. Where this, I understand it's basically overall the same, some of the same decisions, but. I, I have one, much more faith in one product versus the other because I I, I know the booking. People that have the booking have like the fans' best interest in mind and stuff like that, and like they generally will try to come back to it or they have a place for that sometime later. Like I know they're just not going to drop it in a week or two and go with you know the next toy in the box that comes in. I mean, you're, yeah. you've heard a lot of wrestlers talk about you know how creative in that in that space is like all they they play with the toy for a couple of weeks and then they drop it and move on and you know they they sort of hinted at that before maybe. Unless I misheard or something. If I did, I apologize. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean, yeah. I mean, like we we talk. I've, it it feels like we talk about it at least. It always comes up every week on the show, but I mean, it's definitely it. It never doesn't ring true. Um, but I mean, hey, I mean, I I personally don't watch WWE anymore. I just kind of read uh, all the breakdowns and I just read like all the results and whatnot. And if anything catches my interest, I'll go back and uh, check out a match, but. Other than that, I I really I just don't watch the the product. Oh, I mean, yeah. we watched Crown Jewel, but that was just because it was during the day. We had really nothing else going on. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, yeah, I had some extra time and stuff like that, or like, I was able to multitask and do what I need to do. But <laughs> again, just I'm, I'm tired of talking about it, man. Like, it's just nothing's gonna freaking change. But it can be so much oh, better, hey, man. Other other good news, uh, Josh Alexander, he uh, cashed in his option C with his X Division title and challenged Christian Cage last night. He won by submission. Uh, so, I mean, that was that was a really good match. If you want to see a really good, uh, you know, like Matt wrestler, uh, Josh Alexander 
and his win over Christian Cage. Uh, he won with the uh, ankle lock. About like it was about a twenty minute match. It was really good. And then uh, Moose, who, uh, if you've seen him def- uh, in a title defense uh, against Kenny Omega before, uh, he cashed in his call your shot. Uh, pretty much, it's pretty much their version of the Money in the Bank. Uh, Moose won a battle royal gauntlet match earlier in the night, and then won in seven seconds. Um, I'm kind of, I don't know how I feel about that. I know it's all about the chase and Josh Alexander being a chaser's good story, but I mean, man, I just really wanted Alexander to kind of, you know, embrace his win for the night, but it is what it is. I kind of re- like, I, I didn't see the whole match, but I, I heard about the finish and how Moose kind of stood over Josh Alexander and like how Moose kind of sort of cemented himself as a top heel in that company. While at the same time, you also have what one of the top baby faces in that company, if not the, the top baby face with Josh Alexander. So you kind of set the, the, the yin and the yang there for that company. So I understand what they're trying to do. And if that's the case, and hey, I think that gets, that leaves a lot of room for great stories and, you know, the, the eventual up and comings that that's where they, they go for that. But definitely exciting, to say the least. It's all about the chase, brother. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Kick us off into Rampage. Nate, what happened this week? On uh, Rampage, we had three matches. We had Orange Cassidy versus Powerhouse Hobbs, Britt Baker versus Anna Jay, and also a uh, very, very, very highly rated Pack versus Andrade. I personally didn't get a chance to watch most of Rampage this week. Uh, you know, of course, the circumstances given this week, but Kyle, you kind of want to take us into that. I did read the results, though. So, you know, I kind of know what happened and I could speak to that. But as the actual match itself, uh, Kyle, you, you kind of lead us there for a little bit. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, so uh, it kicked off with Powerhouse Hobbs versus Orange Cassidy. Uh, this was a first round match in the title eliminator tournament. Um, Powerhouse Hobbs was showing out, man. He dominated Orange Cassidy from <laughs> from post to post. Uh, we, Me and my girlfriend actually made out brackets like... Uh, <laughs> Uh, like we're doing, you know, March of Madness and see how this tournament goes. And she had Orange Cassidy and in parentheses, she know, she had wishful thinking on there. Um, I, I totally had Powerhouse Hobbs winning. Um, like I said, he dominated most of the match. Uh, he was killing the guy. Every time OC gained some momentum, Powerhouse would either just pick him up or just punch him in the fucking mouth, man. Uh, it looked like Powerhouse was about to win. He hit the double uh, A spine buster. Orange Cassidy barely kicked out. Um, and then there was some interference, you know, with Hook. Uh, you know, as always, the heels interfering. And then at one point, Powerhouse Hobbs uh, picks up the ref and puts him in the corner. Starts jawing at him. Uh, you know, and Hook gets on the rope and tells him, hey, don't get yourself disqualified. This is for the championship tournament. And then OC gets the, uh, the lockup pin uh, for the very, very skin of his teeth victory. So... Um, I, I can, I imagine they were going this way after seeing Moxley destroy Wheeler Yuta a few weeks back and Orange Cassidy was there. It felt like they were just inevitably setting up for this match in the tournament at some point. So it's going that way, but powerhouse Hobbs always, always impresses me. Dude's a beefcake. And, uh, I think he's just going to be a star player from, you know, from here on out. Yeah, I agree with that. But I think my concern, especially with the match result was, I mean, at a certain point, like you, you can only lose so many big matches before the, the 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 mystique wears off. And I don't think Orange Cassidy taking a loss here would have hurt him. 
especially since he's been flirting in the top like one or two ranks for the past month or two, and he hasn't made a shot the title pitcher. I mean, give him give Powerhouse Hobbs or something a loss or a win over that, get him in the rankings, and I would honestly love to see some heel versus heel action. Or you know, I think now that Sammy's there, you could have give Powerhouse Hobbs the the win and like let's say him him lose to Moxley in a good slugfest. Uh, you know, you have some history there where kind of, you know, Mox was going to choose uh, Hobbs early on and then Hobbs threw his lot in with Team Taz. That would have been a good, like, circle back, too, as well. And then, oh, yeah, you know, I forgot about yeah, that. Yeah, yeah like, sure. like, like, let him let, let him take the loss in a world tournament. But since he has a win over Orange Cassidy, who was like the number one or two, give him a match with the TNT champion and then, you know, have that thing go from there. But at least he gets a big win that keeps him, you know, in, in the fans' eyes, like, hey, dude, this dude, you know, they could pull the trigger on him at any time, and it, and it works. I felt like he didn't really need – he could have used the win there. But I understand where they're going with Orange Cassidy and Moxley. And if that match doesn't really end in a big squash, like I honestly think Moxley should just beat the shit out of OC considering how Moxley's character is going. We could talk a little bit that, about that promo uh, later. Um, yeah, that's kind of my yeah, thought man. process r- running in look there at, with that. Look at that galaxy brain. I, I totally forgot that. Mox and Hobbs had history. I forgot about that. Wow. Well, well th- this is this is what happens when a company doesn't punish me for keeping up with their product. <laughs> I, start, I, you know, we get big brain galaxy ideas. You know, uh, Captain Kirk went up on that Blue Origin spaceship and he saw, you know, my idea passing the moon because I'm fucking smart and we got big brain power over here. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, God, I like I said, I totally forgot about that, but I mean. Like you said, it rewards you for paying attention to all the interlacing stories. And it's cool that, unlike WWE, they'll reference things from months ago, whereas WWE kind of keeps it, you know, in the short term memory kind of bank. And they don't really dig too deep in the memory wall there from time to time. Yeah. I mean, just go go listen to John Moxley's podcast after this episode, of course. After you listen to us, go, go listen to John Moxley's <laughs> episode on Talkers Jericho, where he talks about the WWE creative process. And you let him, who's had all the titles and all the accolades tell you how bad, of, you know, how bad the creative process sucks instead of me, you know, hear it from a wrestler's mouth, you know, someone a lot more credible than just some dude drinking unsweet and sparkling water watching Arizona and Houston and how Houston just got a freaking safety on Kyler Murray. And I'm already pissed. Fantasy <laughs> football, I'm pissed. I was going to say, is that impacting your fantasy team? Yeah, dude. Like I'm trying to beat <laughs> this guy and you know, he, he had Pat Mahomes, and Pat Mahomes went off for like 200 points and one interception. So he's trash. I got Kyler Murray. Cardinals are 6-0. And, and Houston, the Houston Texans, the worst team in the league, got a safety on him. I'm pissed. Okay, let's just... Let's... Oh. <laughs> yes, move. <laughs> God damn. Uh, next up on Rampage, we had uh, Britt Baker versus Ana Jay. Uh, they titled this a grudge match, and... That's basically the excuse they use. So, you know, Britt has a non-title match. Um, a- anyone who keeps up uh, could see this was basically a setup for Anna, uh, for Britt Baker versus Ty Conti at full gear. Uh, Ty is ranked number one. Um, and Anna J, well, she's, she's made real big leaps and bounds in her in-ring. Um, she's definitely a little on the greener side to be getting a world title shot. But um, it was a good match. Uh, there's a... You miscommunications here and there towards the finish. Um, but Britt Baker, you know, uh, beat her, beat Anna down. Anna came back against the odds. Um, some Jamie Hayter and some uh, Rebel interference. But 
she was holding her own. It looked like Ana J actually had a shot to win at some points, but Britt, of course, got the lockjaw uh, and got the submission win. Uh, started beating down more on Ana J after the match, which led to Ty Conti coming out and officially challenging her uh, for the women's world title at full gear on November 13th. Where I'm burping right now. Excuse me, I'm like, that's kind of too much information. I'm gonna, st- I'm gonna shut up, but uh, you know, how'd you like that match? Yeah, I mean, uh, I think Britt has become, she's, she's starting to become one of the women who can really carry a match, whether it's in heel work in the ring or actual, you know, in-ring work. Um, she's really come into her own, and she's really come a far away from being that kind of generic babyface at the start of her run. Uh, I think the heel turn's the best thing that they've ever like she's ever done for her career so far and uh, i'm excited uh i think i think her alone can really build interest for this match at full gear and um ty conti too she's really good in the ring she was uh believe it or not always the highest rated uh viewer uh ratings when she was in nxt back in the day um she's really good she's really good in the ring um she's got the bubbly charisma and i think it's gonna be a real good you know underdog babyface going up against the the dastardly heel story at full gear yeah so say conti in terms of like mic work and stuff you know i guess i uh, definitely brit has the edge there so brit could carry that in terms of like selling the match and stuff but say conti like has a legit mma background and black belt uh, brazilian jiu-jitsu baby yeah like that that girl knows what she's doing in in, in the ring and probably in the octagon as well for I mean, like, I and then she watches like old uh, New Japan matches and APJW with like Eddie Kingston. I think from what I've seen from her Twitter and stuff, like where those dudes are just shoot wrestling. <laughs> so you know, I remember when uh, her and the Bunny got into a backstage brawl. Like, Dekonte was throwing some pretty stiff hits. So I think she's gonna give Brit some heat in that match. I'm pretty excited for that match. Uh, bold prediction: if if Brit's still the champion by this time next year. I would make the case for her to be PWI's like number one wrestler in the world because I honestly think her mic work is untouchable at this point. Like every time she's on the mic, to me it's must see. Like I, I love all of her promos, man. Her matches, you know, are are, are pretty good as well and stuff. And like it just like, the heel work that she does. But damn, dude, like she's almost untouchable on the mic for me right now. Like she's getting to that point where everything she everything that comes out of her mouth is golden she's a dentist so she knows how all that works so like i'm really excited uh i don't you, you think she's gonna be champ until going into next year not too sure I, I mean the only person who i think in story would be able to take her on or to, i think it would make sense to take the title from her would probably be thunder rosa yeah and she's involved in the uh the tbs uh championship tournament which she has a first round buy so i think she might make it to the finals, but I think she'll still lose. And then I hope that'll, you know, let her start gaining wins after that tournament and then getting back up to number one and then challenging Britt. I, I can't imagine Britt has the belt for a, a whole year. I think maybe, when did she win it? Did she win a double or nothing? She did win it. Okay. Okay. So maybe a year. I think she'll, I think she'll drop it a double or nothing next year. I think she carries it, uh, Probably bold prediction would be this time next year, but I could definitely see it into the summer and stuff. Because like we could get into women's tournament later, but I don't see Thunder Rosa being the first TBS champion. I think that would probably be yeah, more no, I'm on, I'm with uh, that. Jade Cargill. I don't think Hikaru Shida would be the first one. I, I would think maybe give it to like a Jade Cargill or um, I gotta see who's in that bracket again still. But I definitely think like 
someone like her. Like you, I think you, you give it to a good heel who's very charismatic. Someone to bring prominence to that. And Jade Cargill just screams money to me. And, and I like her work and everything too. So I would think she'd be the first um, for that regard. And then then the roster comes back later and challenges, like you said, for Brit's title at Double or Nothing next year or Full Gear. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's going to be fun. It's 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 really cool how... I'm excited to look forward to how this women division is going to play out. I feel like, I mean, it. do I feel like a title, a secondary title is a little early at this point with what they show? A little, but um, hopefully this is all the more reason to, you know, keep showing all that talent because it's a really stacked division. It's it's one of the most stacked women rosters in all of wrestling right now. So I hope they do it justice. Um, I'm sure they will. I've, I've trusted AEW with a lot. Um, I even trusted them with the main event. Which was uh, Pack versus Andrade El Idolo two, which oh my god, this was a pants off kind of match. It was, it was way better than their first match. They gelled. In I, there, there's always wrestlers who are kind of made to wrestle each other. And I think Pack and Andrade are a pair of those because this match was back and forth. It was intense. They had some crazy spots where Andrade slingshots himself over the top rope. To catch Pack, who's hanging through the middle rope in a DDT, and Andrade slams his lower back and Pack's head into the apron, and they both fall out of the ring. It, it was it was a crazy match. Yeah, so uh, like I think Jim, I was watching, when I watched Dark Side of the Ring one time. Jim Cornette, because this was like they was talking about the Montreal Screwjob. So of course, Brett and Sean and they had so much good chemistry together. But like when you get two wrestlers or you get two singers who never worked together before, but you put them together and then it just clicks. Like, they have that chemistry. Um, Pac and Andrade really seem to be that next pairing. Um, again, I haven't watched the match, but I've heard so many good things about it. I even saw a clip. I'll probably watch the match after uh, later tonight. Uh, but I saw a clip where uh, this is kind of the, a little... Uh, but the, the hot crowd, see how hot the crowd was for it. Like, I think Andrade, like, fell on uh, the turnbuckle and, like, he, he got his, his wevels hit. And then the crowd started chanting uh, "settle." Wevel said him, and they, you could see him like try not to <laughs> try not to laugh in between the spots and stuff. But the crowd looked hot for that match from the clips I saw, and uh, from all the you know things I was reading about it, like these guys, whenever they get in the ring together, it's magic. So I would love to see them like on a big, big like pay per view match for like a title or like in a blood feud or something. I I definitely don't think their story's done at all. You know, I think. That's gonna be. This is gonna be a storied rivalry for a long time with them too. I mean, they threw the kitchen sink at each other, man. I at one point, Pack literally hits a super brain buster from the top rope. I've never seen a super brain buster. I've, you know, there's brain busters always. I've seen them on the concrete. I've seen them on chairs, on tables, but I've never seen one from the top rope. And I was, I audibly gasped. It, it, this match was insane. These guys know how to take each other to the limit. Um, they went was back that, and forth a lot. What was that was that was that super brainbuster the finish or no? No, no. Um, uh, it was a real close too. It was basically like two point eight. And how do you count. kick? How do you kick out of that? I would think that'd be a finish. <laughs> oh man, it was. I, I did not. I didn't anticipate. I thought it was gonna be you know just the normal superplex plot, but he 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 turned that. When you do a sharper angle, you get that brainbuster. Um, they went back and forth with some strikes. And uh, Pack actually rolled up uh, Andrade for the win. Um, and then after, uh, Malachi Black showed up in the ring. You know, the lights went on and everything. He showed up, and then he spat some mist at Pack. Um, 
and uh, actually was teaming with Andrade. And then, I guess the savior of professional wrestling, Cody Rhodes himself, showed up. I love Cody Rhodes. And uh, he made the save and sent Black running ahead of their match at uh, Dynamite. Look, uh, if Cody leans into the Homelander gimmick, that I think he's kind of... I, I honestly think, you know, him... We'll get into that later, but, you know... Well, well, let, let's talk about that later, but right now, but Malik, <laughs> Malachi Black is probably my f- favorite thing in professional wrestling right now. And we again, we could talk about that later, but all that sounds like a really good match and with a lot of moving parts and stuff like that. And I'm kind of excited to go back to watch that. Even though I saw Rampage, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll go back and ch- check that out. Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't think Cody's ever going to go heel again. He's talked about never going heel again, but... Uh, I mean, like we'll we'll talk about it later because we we will be going over Malachi Black versus Cody three. It's just, yeah, it's uh, I'll, I'll talk about it later. Um, <laughs> going into Dynamite, Brian Danielson and Dustin Rhodes kick things off with their uh, AEW uh, World Eliminator Title Tournament match. Uh, it was Dustin Rhodes can still go, dude. I've had doubts every now and then about how Dustin can do in the ring. He's had some matches where he doesn't click with some things, with some spots. But when you go in there with Brian Danielson, it was it was maybe match of the night, in my opinion, honestly. I think was. They, both sh- they both shut out their mat work. Uh, there's a really cool... There's some cool moments at the beginning of the match where Brian Danielson is obviously at a different speed versus Dustin, and Dustin takes a little bit longer to get up, uh, to stand up, get out of the corner... Um, and he, it, it it really shows that, you know, this is the veteran, the aged veteran versus a, another veteran of the game, but who's just at a different speed in this point in their career. It was a really good match. And Brian Danielson, of course, locked in uh, the LaBelle lock for the win after about 15 minutes, close to the 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 time limit, I believe. I think there, this was a 20-minute time limit match. Yeah, dude, kudos to Dustin Rhodes. I mean, the dude's like 51 and 52 and he could still put on a barn burner. Granted, you know, he had a wonderful opponent. I mean, once in a lifetime, an athlete like Daniel Bryanson and wrestler. But I would love to see another pairing between Daniel Bryanson or Brian Danielson right now, dude, is firing on all the senators. It's like he he's better than he was in WWE. Like, is this like Brian Danielson's final form where he's like mastered Ultra Instinct and he's just on his terror, man? Like, this dude is a combination of everything he's learned and he's taking it right now, pushing it forward. It's just like every match I watch is just, I'm amazed at what I'm watching. Like it's, it's, it's such a, it's like watching, like listening to Mozart or something, dude. It's, it's, it's beautiful to freaking see like from a wrestling fan, just everything that goes into the matches, the story they're telling, like you could hear it in JR and Tony's voice. Like they're like, they, they have to commentate the match, but sometimes you hear like a couple seconds of silence and exactly. Scalibur goes back to, to the play calling and stuff, but it's because these guys are so enamored by what's going on. Like it's almost like a lost art and how uh, Brian Danielson uh, kind of goes into his matches. And of course you have a good old veteran like Dustin Rhodes who can kind of work with that and everything. And such a wonderful ass match, man. Definitely match of the night for me. Yeah. I mean, like you said, uh, he just looks fired up. He looks like, you know, he always said that he was always, taking professional wrestling with him wherever he worked and that rang true in WWE but at a certain point the guys he was working with 
are going to be working more of a WWE style than a you know professional wrestling match. Whereas in AEW, you know all bets are off. I mean he he's had his match with Suzuki, with Omega. He's had tag matches with uh, against the Elite, teaming up with Jurassic Express. He's he's on a tear, and I think this tournament's going to put him on that collision course um, with John Moxley. I I'm predicting John Moxley and Brian Danielson are going to be the finish, and I think. That's going to be where Danielson takes his first loss. I think. I, I think so too. Yeah, you think you think Mox is going to be the. He's going to be the. I know where you're going with this. Mox. I know where you're going with this because <laughs> if AEW doesn't give Paige the title at full gear, they better have a f- damn good reason why. And I, I, I would be curious to hear it, but I think it's a given that Paige wins the title. And I, not, I can't think of a better. First few than John Moxley, who's sort of boring on the line between heel and face. He's almost like punish John Moxley. Like if you're a fan of the Metal Gear Solid series, oh, you know, let's go. good pull, <laughs> good punish Venom Snake, who's like just <laughs> em- embodies all like the the animosity and stuff that you know Snake had. I, I mean, I could get into a deeper discussion with that too because there's a lot that happens in Metal Gear Solid. But <laughs> uh, for those of you who want to kind of understand the reference I'm making, it's like this. It's, it's like kind of almost like a tortured soul who's... Nothing's more dangerous than a person who's come to peace with themselves and knows exactly what they want and believes in everything that they're doing 100%. Like, the, the conviction and the, the uh, conviction can take a man or a woman or anything wherever they want to go. Yeah. So I that, mean, that's what that's... Yeah. You yeah, mentioned it earlier, but uh, Moxley cut that promo where he said that you know, he knows what matters in this world now. And it's not the title. It's not the tournament. It's his, it's getting home to his newborn daughter. And he's going to do whatever he has to do to, to always get there safe. So, I mean, he's going to he's gonna run roughshod on the rest of this tournament. Uh, he It sounds like it's not, you know, it's not the title or the big match that draws him to win anymore. It's, you know, it's basically a survival instinct at this point. So. It's funny you mention that because, like, I was reading on Reddit and some guy brought up the comparison between... Uh, John Moxley's current character right now, and Walter White. Where Walter White, if you're, if you're a fan of the Breaking Bad series, and if you're not, sorry for spoiling it. If you want to hear overrated, mid. I'm pretending you didn't say that because that's probably like one of my favorite shows. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you're mid. Shut up. Uh, okay, before you throw me off my damn wagon here, uh, Walter White used his family for a lot of the justification for the very bad things that he did throughout the span of the show. And it wasn't until the end when death was at his door knocking to claim his claim him back home and the police were about to catch him that he finally admit that he did it all for himself. Every bad thing, every murder, every sin that he committed was only for himself and his insatiable pride. And someone made a comparison that Walt that Walter White and John Mox are kind of the same, whereas John Mox is starting to use his family as an excuse why he's going to do what he has to do. But at some point, it's going to be revealed that he did it for another reason, which is probably going to be a selfish one. And I, now, now that I, I, I read that, I think that's where I wanted to go. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm all in on that. And it, it's, it'll be a good challenge as, for, as Hangman's you know, first title defense. If, if he wins, which I'm willing to bet my house on it, but... Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you get the the former world champion who was still, you know, trying his heart, his damnedest to kill Kenny Omega in any of their rematches. I think that's a really good test. Uh, you, you know, the 
the real bad storied villain in John Moxley versus the you know unbelievable babyface that is Hangman. That'd be a perfect first title defense. Hundred percent, Dad. I agree right there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, moving on, we had Ruby Soho versus Penelope Ford. This was a round one uh, in the TBS Championship uh, tournament. Um, it was a really good match. I think people really are starting to learn that Penelope Ford has been a vet. She's still, she's very good. She's really good. And Ruby Soho is getting way more of a chance to shine. Um, there was a few miscommunications. Um, there's miscommunications in almost every match, uh, but it was really good. Um, Ruby Soho uh, eventually uh, had to deal with the interference of the bunny. Um, Soho was able to avoid her. Uh, Ford, you know, uses her advantage. Um, and then Soho's, you know, made that baby face come back. Um, you had Ford nailing her with a spin kick into a gut buster. Uh, but then Ruby Soho actually just rolled her up out of nowhere. Um, it was a real, you know, crafty baby face against the odds win. Um, and I think, I think Ruby's going to go pretty far in this tournament. I, I might have her pegged for the finals. Um, uh, it, it's just, it's, it's awesome seeing both of these women, you know, get more credit than they've been given in the past. Uh, I know people are kind of tired of this rivalry, but I think hopefully it ends here. If, if, you know, if Penelope Ford or the bunny interferes in Ruby's next match and that costs Ruby, then I feel like that's an obvious setup for a full gear blow off match in this rivalry. Um, by the way, let me, uh, before, before we kind of dive into that point, I, I want to point out the actual brackets of who we have so far. So oh, round, yeah, one, round one consists of Anna Jay versus Jamie Hayter. We have the Bunny versus Red Velvet. Serena D versus Hikaru Shida. I'm excited for that one. And of course, Penelope Ford with Ruby Soho, who advanced to the second round. You also have first four-round buys uh, with women who have already basically proven themselves to be worthy of first-round buys. So you have Thunder Rosa. Jade Cargill and Nyla Rose and Chris Statlin are all earning a first round buy and they're awaiting their opponents on the second round. And with Ruby advancing, we now have the matchup of Chris Statlander and Ruby Soho in the as our first official second round match, assuming that comes uh, next week or on Friday. I'm not too sure the rampage for this upcoming Friday has been revealed yet, but um, we do have a first second round match. So anyway, going back to the actual Penelope Ford versus Ruby Soho match, I want to point out that this match I'm, I'm, uh, was probably longer than the whole Queen's Women's Tournament. So, you know, people should be taking <laughs> notes about how to do a freaking women's tournament and let your talent shine. Uh, I thought it was a good match. Man, I'm, I'm being mean today, dude. I'm sorry. I know. You're really uh, gunning for the throat. It was, I'm mad at creative. I'm not mad at the performers. I'm just... just <laughs> whatever. When it, how long until, you know, you reveal your true intentions that you just hate WWE and the writing is just the excuse, Mr. Walter White? Hey, I like this, you know, I see what you're doing. I see what you're is doing. This your, is this your heel origin story? No, because, you know, that, uh, mine's better, uh, better booking, better writing than that, you know? <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's, okay, that's not, that's not, that's not surface level writing, okay? Uh, nah, man, you know, I just. We could we could have a podcast about, about we could have a podcast episode about like why I got disenfranchised with WWE another time right now. But I'm until then I'm just gonna keep plugging it in because it's like night and day here, dude. Like Ruby Solo and Penelope before had a great match. Like it was good first round match. Made me excited for the rest of the tournament. They had like what ten maybe fifteen minutes to uh, to go at it with each other. And yeah, you had the bunny interference and stuff with the brass knuckles. And I'm sort of getting tired of that a little bit. But it did what it needed to do. And 
Now you, you you got a great performance out of both women, and now Ruby Soho is advancing to the second round. Yeah, that Chris Statlander match is going to be a barn burner. Definitely, I think Ruby takes it there. Like I, I think you're right when you say that she's the first. She's 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 uh, shooing for the finals. And if I had to make a pick for who I think is going to be the finals, I would probably argue Ruby Soho versus Thunder Rosa. No, actually, no. Ruby Soho versus Jay Cargo, and Jade takes it. Yeah, yeah, I can definitely see that. That's definitely the. I think that's the the the, the real safe bet. I think it's going to be a real good. Anyway, this shapes out. I'm going to enjoy the ride because again, exactly, they give they give really good time to these women, and they let the women, you know go out there and do what they want to do. You know, they get actual creative freedom in, in their matches. And I, I feel like that just leads to, you know, the performers, you know, being way more into it. It gets the fans into it. And everybody everybody has a good time. I'm having a good time. I'm having a very great time, man. Like, you know, don't need 20 people to make a brisket. You just got to get Ruben Gallegos, if he's listening, to make your brisket. <laughs> hey, by the way, I just want to, yeah, this is completely off the rails, but I made a, me, me, me and some of our friends made a bet with our friend Ruben. Yeah, the Cowboys go to the Super Bowl. He's going to make, he's going to cook us a lobster dinner uh, on his street because he betted against us. And right now, they're five and one. It ain't going to last. Shut up. I want lobster. <laughs> <laughs> oh man hey you want to hear about a different kind of sea creature bobby fish baby hey. yeah you like that segue fuck i I'm do like that segue dude, dude we have such, we have we have such big brains right now dude like galactic <laughs> galactic empire brains shit so, this is good dude <laughs> yeah man bobby fish and anthony green uh this was made about i think it was the same day uh tony khan made this on twitter uh both actual uh, fun fact, both of these are former WWE talents. Um, this was definitely a squash match uh, all in Bobby Fish, and this was to cement more of a heel Bobby Fish. Um, Fish was really being the aggressor here, beating down Anthony Green, hitting him with a senton, going with brutal kicks and suplexes, um, and he actually just uh, leveled Green with a roundhouse to the head for a real quick win. It was maybe about three, four minutes of a match, and it was all for Bobby. Um, Fish actually kept attacking Green after the bell, um, which led to CM Punk, which was a big surprise to me. CM Punk made the run-in save for Anthony Green, and um, with both of them, Bobby Fish and CM Punk having MMA training backgrounds, I think this is going to be a hell of a match that I didn't know I wanted until I saw it. So Dynamite keeps delivering, baby. They, they, they surprise me in the most pleasant ways. It honestly does, man. Like, uh, like that match did what it needed to do, and I hope Anthony Green sticks around too. I thought he's had some matches on Dark and maybe Elevation, but you know, definitely hope he sticks around and uh, maybe he could get that that up and comments for against Bobby Fish. I kind of I kind of felt like there was a hint that he was going to be tag teaming with Bobby Fish or uh, tag teaming with CM Punk against Bobby Fish and an unnamed opponent. I thought the seeds were kind of planted for that, but definitely, uh, yeah, man. Like Bobby Bobby Fish's entrance music when I first saw him debut, I was like, I, I I didn't really get to see him too much before WWE, but I thought it was a Misfit song that he came out to. But that song's definitely a banger, and you know, it's Misfit season for me because it's Halloween. <laughs> uh, you know, the great dancing through unlock Teen Hunger Force where he gets the blood to run up the walls. That's what we need more of. You know, Bobby Fish gets the blood to run up the walls, and he has those jagged teeth when he comes out and he just beats the shit out of people. I love it, dude. And I think him versus CM Punk is going to be a great, great match and feud. Because Bobby Fish has had some close contests with Brian Danielson. And I honestly thought that he was 
fraction of a second away from beating Sammy Guevara. And they, they kind of told the story where Sammy Guevara barely just escaped that out of like with the skin of his teeth. And like, I wasn't an over, that wasn't like a victory where the champion, like, you know, made quick work or did easy work or no, no, like he, that dude, that, that dude came out. I was like, damn, I'm like, I'm, that dude was in a fight. <laughs> yeah. I've always thought Bobby Fish was uh super underrated. And that's just due to not even booking in NXT. It was just, uh, Bad bad timing. Um, he he was injured a lot of his NXT run with the Undisputed Era. That was the group of uh, Adam Cole, Kyle O'Reilly, and Roderick Strong, as well as Bobby Fish. Um, he was he was injured for a good portion of that, but he was definitely the most underrated person uh, coming out of the Undisputed Era. You know, Kyle O'Reilly, Adam Cole have been main event players in NXT for so long now. Uh, Roderick Strong's uh, cruising along with that cruiserweight title. See what I did there again. Um, and it's it's really nice to see Bobby finally get on a big stage, and I think a a, a match with CM Punk is going to be great because um, go, going off like on a parallel, I love that every match Punk's had has kind of shaken off more ring rust from him. Um, it, it it feels subtle. Maybe I'm looking to in like into the matches, but it feels like he's always a little bit of a of a step quicker every match he does. He's pulling out more old CM Punk moves. Um, including that running knee to the corner and the bulldog, and I feel like uh, pretty soon I hope we're gonna get uh, a more cocky, not heel, but just like you know a real cocky punk who knows that he's, you know he he's been reminded that he's the best in the world coming in and you know running a seven and zero record in AEW so far. I, I that yeah dude I mm, CM Punk I, I need a CM Punk MJF feud worth. Tony Khan's like, you have 15 minutes of airtime. Say what you want to say. Sell this match. Sell the feud. And I, I was, I just want to hear them, those two samurais, duke it out on the mic. <laughs> now <laughs> that you mention it, it's gonna get fucking insulting. <laughs> when when we get when we get to that point, you know. But definitely, I feel like CM Punk's been swinging back into the things every match that he gets, and he just looks better and better. Like he hasn't missed a beat. So I'm I'm just glad CM Punk's back, bro. <laughs> I'm glad we have him back, and he's happy. Especially the way he had his, you know, the, the way he was treated in the previous previous sessions, you know, previous company. Yeah, it's a, it's a real good time. I love it. Um, mm -hmm. Moving on a little, we got the what I think was the weakest point of the the night, and it, it's, it's it was beating me over the head. But the convoluted inner circle and ATT promo. Um, you had the men of the year coming out. Um, actually, I'm going to push this back a little because now I just clicked in my head that this was after the next match, which was uh, Lance Archer versus Eddie Kingston in the AEW uh, World Title Eliminator Tournament. Um, Nate, I know you're high on Kingston. I would make fun of you when, I, when you thought he was going to beat John Moxley back in the day for the AEW title. I was kind of picking on you back then because I know Eddie's your boy. But, uh, I mean, he got his ass beat in this match, man. Um, Lance Archer was running rough shot on him. Uh, beat him before uh, Eddie jumped him before the the bell, um, and then it was mostly all Lance Archer. Um, it, it was it was a scrap. It, it wasn't really a wrestling match, but I mean Eddie held his own for a while, and um, there was an unfortunate finish to the match. Uh, Lance Archer went up to the top rope uh, to do a moonsault, but he landed right on top of his head, which I'm more than sure concussed him. Uh, the ringside doctor got in the ring, was talking to Archer. Archer rolled out of the the ring for a little bit, collect his thoughts, 
Um, and then he rolled right back in um, just so Eddie could roll him up for the win. Um, I think that speaks to the professionalism. You know, Lance Archer, even though he knew he couldn't finish a, the rest of the time remaining for the match, um, he went in there just to at least give the fans a finish. I mean, he knows the fans know he's injured, but at least they, they could keep up the, the story um, and respect the business and let Eddie pin him, even if it was, you know, a little bit of a, of, of a rough ending. Yeah, I think the fans would have been okay if it was like a medical stoppage. Because that happens, you know, that can happen regardless if it's UFC, if it's WWE or, or wrestling, whatever. Like, these are athletes, these are performers. They go out there to do what they, they got to do. But again, like, you know, injuries happen. And I'm just grateful that this wasn't something that could have paralyzed them because I feel like the dude would have landed like, you know, I don't want to speculate about what if, but it was a very scary spot. I'm glad he was able to walk back on his own power, and I'm glad he's okay. I, I hope there's nothing else going wrong with him. The match was awesome as well. You know, and I started picking fans out of the the, the, the arena and, like, throwing them at Kingston and stuff. <laughs> kind of remind me, like, of like a Dark Souls boss or something, you know? But um, definitely, man, like, I'm just I'm just glad these, these two men can come back and hopefully do another match and run it back and... Uh, I'm always happy to see both of them perform. I really love Lance Archer too, man. Like he's 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 a badass dude. Texas baby. Mm -hmm. he, uh, by the way, yeah, he's out of Katy, Texas. Katy or Houston? That area. So he's he's Texas born Dallas. and raised, baby. I thought he was out of Houston, fighting out of Houston. Uh no, Dallas. Uh, let me check. I'm pretty sure it's Dallas or Katy. I thought it was Katy, Texas, Houston, oh, Katy area. The... Austin, Dallas here. Herney? Herney? Her Hearn, Texas. Hearn, Texas. Yeah, that's like near yeah. Katy. Houston okay, area. Yeah, that's, okay, that's where he's from. And it, it's cool that AEW lets him use like his small his small town because it's not a big town. If you're mm -hmm. in other promotions, they want you to say, you know, a big town like Austin, Dallas, San Antonio. But um, Lance Archer actually tweeted after the match. He said, listen, we choose to do this and take our health and lives in our hands every night. I've done that move hundreds of times over my career, just under-rotated. Could have been much worse. Thank you all at AEW for taking amazing care of me and protecting me. I'll be back. So he's in very good health, and I'm glad that he's not, you know, more damaged than he was. Because, again, it was a very scary moment. Yeah, man. Like, just again, it kind of brings up the whole concept of, like, how quick things can go wrong and how, you know, these are professional trained athletes and how you shouldn't try this at home. And, you, sh you know, these performers bust their ass day and night. And these 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 moves are dangerous, man. The stuff that they do is dangerous. Like, you know, at the end of the day, spend your belief a little bit. Like, we all know it's it's there's a predetermined outcome. But, damn, these dudes are doing what they do. And, like, the, the bumps that they take, the hits that they take, that's all. That, 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 that ain't all, you know, horse and pony show. That's, that's as real as it gets. Well... Just glad they're okay, man. Glad they're okay. Yeah, and then... Because, like, I, 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 like, I'm not going to say which one, but, you know, that's my namesake for my Final Fantasy character. I'm not going to say which one. Any of the, which one of the AEW wrestlers I'm, I'm my Final Fantasy characters named after. So, you know, if that person, you know, if these person, people get hurt, I'm, I'm going to be sad because, you know, I want them to keep continuing, keep, you know, wrecking ass and stuff. From my Final Fantasy character, is that I got I bear their name and I bear the legacy, and I'm protecting the realm. <laughs> Remind me to ask you about that later. <laughs> I want to know now. Um, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll text it to you. <laughs> uh, after this match, you can tell that they were trying to do some uh, 
what felt like filling time because you had a really I think this was the weakest part of the show and I hated this part, but it was a really convoluted inner circle and ATT promo. Um, you had the men of the year coming out with Dan Lambert, uh, you know, talking their shit, getting boots all hell. Uh, and they call out Sammy, you know, they, they give Sammy credit for having the balls to come out to talk to them. Um, and then this is where it gets a little convoluted because so Sammy wants a match against the inner circle and ATT at full gear but att and dan lambert will only give him that if he defends the tnt championship against ethan page next week and if ethan page beats him he not only does he lose the AEW uh, the tnt title but he has to leave the inner circle and if sammy wins then they get the match at full gear but then sammy oh man what was it sammy Sammy wanted another stipulation, whereas if he wins the TNT title, he gets to pick the three people uh, that are going to assist the men of the year from ATT. It, it was really convoluted. It was really, it was dragging. And this ATT and inner circle thing needs to kind of kick it up into another gear before I lose interest. Yeah, those a couple of uh, spots where I thought it was a little bit awkward. Like, you know, like the Scorpio Sky was like, well, since you're, he said something like, since you're like so, uh, you know, wanting to give stuff out, blah, 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 blah. Like, there was a little awkward parts to it and everything. But honestly, when they had that match, that was pretty entertaining. So I'm, I'm, I'm okay with this continuing. It's just, you know, I, 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 I'm, could be a little bit cleaner in some aspects and stuff. But if this doesn't end with, uh, I, I feel like Ethan Page and Scorpio Sky need to go over and you need to establish America top team, especially like you're going to have them come in full time and stuff like that. I think the inner circle could kind of take a loss. Like, you know, Jericho's won some of his feuds recently and stuff. So um, I think Ethan Page and Scorpio Sky need some need something to really push him forward, you know? I just I just hope they don't do, like, 50-50 booking. Like, you know, have him lose to Sammy for the TNT title, especially because it's so early in his TNT run. But then they still win at full gear, you know? It's just that 50-50 booking, you know, get, losing your win and then getting your win back. It's just, I hope it doesn't run into that, but it feels like that's the only way they can really do this because if Ethan Page wins, Sammy's out of the inner circle. So where does Sammy's story go from there? It's, it's just, it feels like there's too many moving pieces in the story that could be just simplified in, into inner circle versus ATT and full gear. Yeah, I, I kind of understand that thinking a little bit. Like maybe it's a little bit overbooked or there's a little bit of uh, too much going on. Like just have, you know, Inner Circle's one of the top you got teams. Too many cooks yeah. in the kitchen, baby. Yeah, like Inner Circle's the top, one of the top factions, and America's top teams out to prove why they belong in AW, and that's it. You know, boom. But also, like, why why wasn't the Inner Circle broken up by now? Because they went about a month without ever, you know, teaming with each other. Well, it it's my weird. It, it's my understanding they're kind of going with the New Japan uh, approach, where like these guys all belong to a faction, but they all follow their own goals at the end of the day. They're okay, just kind of okay. they're just kind of together through the circumstances. Like they'll have each other's backs and stuff, but you know, however, like it, like let's say if it came down to you know inner circle member like Sammy Guevara had to fight Jericho or something like that. Like the boy name they play it out. I mean, the, the way they play it out in terms of like, hey, you know, we're opponents today, but at the, after this, we're gonna be friends and let bygones be guy. You know, the thing. How do they decide the, the approach like that? 
So that that's okay. my understanding of how every faction's going. Unless you're the elite, where you just all love each other. <laughs> God damn! Speaking of the elite, man, Jungle <laughs> Boy got to fight their fucking bag carrier, Brandon Cutler, and. My God, what a squash match! I I love Brandon Cutler. He's really embraced, you know, being the lackey, <laughs> and uh, you know, he got him in the snare trap for the win. And then he uh, Jungle Boy called out the rest of the elite, which uh, led to no one answering. So Jungle Boy decided, "Fuck it," put Brandon back in the snare trap. And Brandon grabs the mic and starts yelling, "Somebody help me! <laughs> Please, God, he's killing me!" And this brings out Adam Cole, much to the fans, you know, cheers. You know, everybody loves Adam Cole, even though it's clear cut that he's the heel here. But uh, Adam Cole threatened to come down and kick Jungle Boy's ass. This led to, of course, the Young Bucks coming in from behind, uh, super kicking Jungle Boy. And then the super click run rough shot on him, which ends up with uh, Cole hitting the boom after the Bucks hit the BTE trigger. And then they throw him off the stage about, you know, 15 feet down below to ta through tables. It was a really good beat-em-up segment. I really enjoy everything that Superclick does. They're always entertaining. Definitely, man. Like, there's a bunch of pricks. <laughs> it's cool. <laughs> Are you eating? Yeah, I have a little thing right here next to me. <laughs> I couldn't tell if you were muffled if you were, where you were fucking... What are you eating? We're recording a podcast. I know, but I had a little snack here nearby, and Cheryl keeps messing with me because he wants it, so I'm just trying to get rid of it. <laughs> what are you eating? You got to tell me uh, at least what are you eating. A quest bar. <laughs> oh, we're professionals. <laughs> I mean, we're just here shooting shooting, shooting the crap, right? Like, you know. Shooting the breeze. You don't, don't you know, you, sometimes you text me like, hey, I got to go do this real quick. Like, it just happens, dude. Like, we're, we're... Ah, don't, don't, break the, don't break the veil. I didn't go pee <laughs> last time we recorded the Hangman one. I didn't do that. Yeah, yeah, you didn't. <laughs> where are we going? Where are we going with the super click? Uh, I mean, I think I've said it multiple times. It depends where, where when Kevin Kevin Owens decides to come, if he decides to come. Um, I definitely think Kenny's uh losing the title, and that's probably gonna end with Adam Cole usurping it and bringing that story full circle. Which, if you want to kind of explain the history of that cut, then you could do that better than I can in terms of like uh how the whole Adam Cole got kicked out of BTE or oh, yeah. uh, got kicked yeah, out of. Yeah, I could do a little baby recap. Yeah, so back in the day, um, as we all know, uh, Adam Cole, the Young Bucks, uh, Kenny Omega, Cody, all those guys were part of the elite. And when it came time for Adam Cole to sign a contract with WWE, uh, they effectively wrote his character off on their skit show, BTE, being the elite. Uh, they poisoned Hangman's monster energy drink, uh, thus killing the character of Adam Cole. Um, and now I feel like Adam Cole's, he's, he's a slimy little sleazeball. He's one to hold grudges. So, um, I think he's waiting for the most opportune time to turn on Kenny. And I think again, that comes after Kenny loses the title to hangman, or if it's not hangman after AEW recovers from the riots that ensue, it'll be from whoever, you know, takes the belt eventually from Kenny. And I, I feel like they're slowly showing that because it's always Adam Cole with the Bucks right now. You know, they were always the best friends, the super click. And uh, it's real subtle, but I think, you know, they're they're showing that the Bucks are always going to be a little bit more devoted to Adam Cole in the end than Kenny because he's always there for them. That is an interesting point you make. I didn't really notice that too much because, like, whenever Kenny's out, the elite's always out with them. But you've kind of made the point. AEW's always done things subtly, you know, a subtlety and stuff. So... 
the I, I didn't really notice until now that yeah, it makes sense. The Bucks are always out with Adam Cole and stuff more so than Kenny. So I think the seeds are starting to get planted for that. If that's where the the way it goes, I don't think it would happen right after. I think they definitely like do like a month long story where they kind of build towards that after Kenny loses the title and you know decide where to go from there. Yeah, you can easily put Kenny on a losing streak after he loses the title. You know, like he doesn't he doesn't know who he is anymore. He lost the best bout machine. Maybe it was the title that made Kenny. And uh, you, it, it, there's a lot of ways they can go about it. And I think an eventual um, Adam Cole versus Kenny Omega. You know, maybe um, maybe maybe Kenny gets injured, uh, kayfabe. You know, in story. And you know, after a few weeks of Kenny being on the sideline. Adam Cole suggests, you know, like, maybe we got to cut out Kenny. He's the weak part. And maybe they have a cool blow-off match. You know, Adam Cole versus Kenny Omega. You can say that, you know, it's just infighting, you know, brothers being brothers. Sometimes brothers got to punch each other. But, you know, maybe Adam Cole says, you know, if you lose, you're out of the elite. You got to earn your keep here. There's a bunch of different ways they can do it. And I think Cole being that conniving little sneaky rat bastard... I think I think that they can pull that off really easily in any way they choose. Yeah, and I agree. It's just like I think if Kenny takes some time off, I don't think it's going to be for a couple of weeks. Like I think he's finally going to get those surgeries and recoup for like sit on the show for like half a year to a year, however long it takes, and then come back and maybe really start to finish off some of the big stories he has throughout his profess throughout the you know pro wrestling multiverse that they've built with a everything outside of WWE. <laughs> i.e. I. like ibushi and stuff so so yeah what? i mean they, they can go a bunch of ways with it and i'm really excited that they're able to explore all those kind of different avenues the prodigal son returns boys and girls and whoever's <laughs> listening and that is shoyo right here oh, what's, little, what's little shoyo up to what's what's his sunday been like uh sleeping pissing me off <laughs> i was like I, I like to sleep in on sundays and like at six in the morning this dude's like the battering ram from Lord of the Rings that's attacking Minas Tirith with Grand. his wet Yeah, Gron. He's just like slamming into me with his wet nose and I wake up and he's just like <laughs> Literally, that's all God. he does like in the morning. I'm like, meow, meow, meow. I'm like, I wake up like, Shoyo, stop talking and then he'll be quiet for like 10 minutes and then meow, meow. and then he'll jump <laughs> on the bed and like, he'll try to he'll nip at me until I wake up and then like, you know, after a while, he just kind of gives up, and he'll lay down for about an hour of sleep, and then he'll wake up and try to repeat the process all over again. So finally, that happened for like two or three hours, and I woke up, and I fed him, and, you know, he was pissed because he, in a normal work week, when I get up, like, for, for work, like, around 7, feed him, and then at night, like, at 7, I feed him. So he only eats twice a day and eats, you know, whatever, I, the small handful I give him because he needs to lose weight. But he's used to those times, you know, so. Yeah, baby, boy, baby boy's got a schedule. You're just, you're just living in it. I know, man. Like, I'm, I tell everyone, like, yeah, I got, you know, I'm his I got roommate. A roommate. Yeah, he's my, <laughs> I'm his roommate. <laughs> oh, man. I love cats. Cats great. I, I want another cat. I had a cat with my old roommate. I got to get another one. But anyway, I, want, I digress. I can talk about cats and dogs. I want, I, when I get a house, I'm going to get another cat and dog. <laughs> I digress. Uh, we got two more segments for uh, Dynamite. Uh, MJF uh, had an amazing stellar promo. Um, <laughs> He, you you want to you you take the reins on this one? MJF's your boy, and I know you're a sucker for a good heel promo. H- hit me with it. Look, the Florida crowd was getting so bad at him. It's talking like he he had legit heat, and they're like you know and trying to interrupt this promo, and he was like, "All of you 
need to shut up because I ain't going to listen. You said something like along the lines of like that. It's like, I ain't going to listen to a bunch of people who solve their problems with incest and gun violence. And I just started laughing. Like, he's so mean, <laughs> dude. Like, it was so funny. I was like, dang it, dude. This is I, terrible. <laughs> I, I think there was a fan that was yelling at him from the crowd. And he said, listen, fat boy, this is my time on the mic. Sit down and shut the hell up. <laughs> Yeah, he also had that interview on Barstool where, like, one of the guys, he was, like, a chubby guy who legit didn't know who he was. <laughs> and MJF was, like, just popping off on him because, <laughs> like, he got oh, – he, he was in character. diabetes? <laughs> yeah, he was a character. And he was, like, really – like, he walked into, like, their, them doing another show before, like, like 20 minutes before his interview started. He's, like, really going to leave me in the fucking green room with just water? Like, I'm MJF, one of the greatest wrestlers of all time, the greatest wrestler of all time, and AEW's top star. And you're just going to leave me there with gr- – the green one with water, and then he went to one of the co-hosts who's like this big dude. He's like, "Hey, fat boy, you know a thing or two about nourishment, right? Why are you leaving me there with the green room?" And that guy got all mad. He's like, "Who the fuck are you?" And MJF was like, "Listen, type three diabetes, and I'll freaking tell you who I am." And he started cutting his promo. <laughs> Oh my god, dude! He's a magician on the mic. I'm crying. He's like freaking amazing. He's freaking amazing. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, MJF comes out. He talks all the shit to the crowd. Talks about Darby Allen, who he clearly jumped a few weeks back, and Darby hasn't been on Dynamite in a while. Um, and this brings out Sting. Uh, you know, Sting and Darby have had a a really good uh, tag team partnership since uh, Sting basically joined AEW. Um, and before before long, Wardlow and Sean Spears come out to attack Sting from behind. Um, Sean Spears, I want to give a shout out because he's showing that he is. One of the best in the business. He's making these chair shots look really good, but he's protecting Sting because, you know, he's he's on the older side. He doesn't need to be taking unprotected chair shots to the back at that age, but uh, Sean Spears is great at what he does. Um, they attack Sting, and MJF cuts a hell of a promo asking if he's if he's broken Darby mentally yet. Um, he You know, cherry red face, you know, testosterone running through the roof, just yelling that he is the best, and he is the past, present, or future professional wrestling. And I think this match at Full Gear, which I feel like it's clearly a lead-up to, is going to be, you know, it has potential to be match of the night. It definitely does. I mean, these are two homegrown AW stars. I mean, granted, they had some of their accolades before coming to AW, but this is where they've really taken it to that next level and got on that sort of mainstream appeal. And, you know, they talked about them being the, the four pillars, Darby, Sammy, MJF, and Jungle Boy, if I'm not mistaken. Um, these are the guys who are going to lead AEW for the next 20-something years. And um, this, I think this is the first time MJF and Darby have really had a good feud, right? If I'm not mistaken, in the two-year history? I believe yeah. they've, they've only encountered each other in Battle Royales. Yeah. So this is like the big one-on-one matchup here. And the, the yeah. Pinnacle sometime like a couple of weeks ago attacked Darby and beat the crap out of him and left him for broke. So he hasn't been seen since. And Sting came out to try to, like, Talk about that and talk about Darby. MJF interrupts them, does his thing, and they just beat the crap out of Sting. And with the assumption that Darby's watching from home, watching his hero or his mentor get beaten up. Classic, classic storytelling here. And so um, definitely we'll see how that, that's going to go. But, uh, man, dude, and, and at the, I'm, I'm really excited for this feud, man. Um, MJF is just probably one of the best in the mic. He one of the few who gets like legit heat and character 
And the dude hardly ever breaks character. And a few times I have seen him break character. He seems like the sweetest guy. But anyway. <laughs> oh, man. You uh, know, speaking of, I thought he broke character because I, I did stick around and cut uh, the season finale of Rose to the Top. There's a part where Cody comes back and everyone in the back's congratulating on becoming a father. And MJF shows up into his locker room. And if you don't know, they have a storied history where MJF pretended to be his best friend for months and cost him a world title match. And, and then MJF beat Cody later on down the line. But he knocks in, <laughs> he knocks into Cody's locker. He says, hey, buddy, I heard you had a kid. I'm so happy for you. And Cody starts saying, thanks, Max. He's like, no, nah, just kidding. I don't give a shit. Bye. <laughs> Dude, it's so, oh. uh, he's such a good little shit. <laughs> and uh, like the he, commentary sells it so well, too. Whenever he comes out, they just like... So disgusted with them and everything. I think they've said that he'd even he betray his own parents at birth or something like that along those lines. Mm-hmm. MJF's MJF's one of the best. If you want to learn how to be a heel, just study MJF all day and night. And dude, we had that little promo after the the match with MJF and Warlow or Warlow. So Warlow's been kind of like the big muscle behind MJF for since the onset of AEW. And there's been a slow burn where He's getting tired of MGF shit because MGF constantly mistreats him, berates him, and stuff like that. And cage matches against Cody. Yeah, so there's been a slow burn where the muscles getting tired of MGF, and finally Wardlow started to show a good amount of backbone. He came up to MGF, and he was like, "Hey man, what's with that bullshit last week?" Because MGF, like you know, basically did this, what he always does and was treated him like shit. Him out. Yeah, and then MGF was like, "Hey, you know, it's all good. You know, I just got a little heated. I'm sorry." Uh, but you know, in order to make things all right and make sure everyone's doing what we're gonna do, I'm assigning you uh, an accountability buddy. <laughs> and so oh, yeah, that, led, Spears. <laughs> that led to Sean Spears, who was just there, like cleaning his chair from the the the, the Sting's uh, remains, <laughs> basically like looking around, <laughs> like uh, I guess I'm the accountability buddy. Like, what's up? And then Wardle just looks at him with disgust, like, "Are you freaking kidding me?" And MJF walks off because he has something important to go do. Classic gaslighting and manipulation and all that, and you know, or the sniveling little boss that always seems to give you the runaround because you know you're upset that you got a three percent raise when inflation rose nine percent. You know the typical things that happen in the world. And you sound like you're talking about personal experiences. No, no, no. I'm just, I'm just messing around. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Wardlow's face turn is gonna be legendary. Uh, Bunch of us, uh, Austin, and you know. Central Texas locals saw him at a wrestle circus a lot back in the day when that indie promotion was up and running. And Wardlow's an amazing face. He 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 knows how to be a heel in a face. And when he turns on MJF, and I think it'll be after this Darby Allen and MJF feud, um, it's gonna be really something to look forward to because I think MJF is gonna be the one to really elevate Wardlow to you know being a main event player, not just a lackey somewhere on the mid card. Um, and Wardlow's matches have been far and few in between, um, but every time he does, he he shows up, man. And I'm very excited to see what a main event run could look like for Wardlow in the future. I am as well, man. And as Johnny John Silver says, he is a handsome dude. <laughs> he is a handsome oh, boy, man. so handsome, dude. Wardlow's so handsome, and he dresses to the nines too. It's mm-hmm. man, Wardlow, Wardlow's got it all, baby. Wardlow's it's a good Wardlow's looking world, dude. We're just living in it, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Kyler Murray, you got two touchdowns. I need about three more. You know, I'm just keeping an eye on things. We're keeping an eye on things here. 
Hey, I'm watching the Eagles get, you know, the crap beat out of them by the Raiders right now. So it's not not looking good for my spirits. But hey, by the way, since we're on on this topic real quick, I want to give a shout out to the Atlanta Braves. And if you remember, Chip Garrison's team right there, baby, they just made it to the World Series going against the Astros. So, you know, I'm honestly... I'm I'm rooting for the Astros, but if the Braves win. I'm not going to be upset either. Like I, I like the Braves. Or you know, is it the first time in 30 years or something like that for the Braves? I think it's been a minute, a hot minute. Yeah. So it's been a drought. <laughs> mm-hmm. And you know, the, 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 there's a clear heel and baby face here. The Astros are the biggest heel right now. It would have been the Dodgers. Would have been it. It would have been the Dodgers because apparently Dodgers fans are so insufferable. Don't quote me on that. <laughs> I'm that's that's what that's what the subreddit for baseball saints. So you know. Are you like Patriots fans? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe they're marks like us. <laughs> oh God, you know. I'm sure. I'm sure there's a few fucking Atlanta but, Braves but podcasts out there. I'm, pre- I'm, I'm pretty sure the Atlanta Braves are like the face in this, and you know, going against the Hill Astros who cheat, who uh, you know, show <laughs> show shades of great because apparently Altuve wasn't you know privy to what was going on anyway you know that's going to be a great world series shout out to chip garrison i also want to give a little bit of a shout out to dom for helping promote the podcast on social media so thank you dom appreciate all of you and let's yeah, go into our, our last segment kyle i will go, go ahead and plug what you gotta plug real quick yeah for sure i was just gonna say you know appreciate all the support again this is homegrown out of love and you know just having fun so i appreciate all the support as always um Moving on to the main event of AEW Dynamite and our last topic for tonight, uh, Malachi Black versus Cody Rhodes 3. This was a match I was kind of not looking forward to. You know, I felt like I felt like I knew how the win was going to go. It was going to go to Cody, you know, after taking two losses, a squash match and a little more back and forth in their second match. I just, I didn't want Cody to win this. Cody is, Cody's very divisive amongst the fans and I am definitely on the side of um, I could go with less Cody. The more the the less the merrier for Cody, in my personal opinion, for me. But um, the match was really good. Um, they really they stood. They told an amazing story. They got the crowd super hot and invested. Um, there was a bunch of chants against Cody, and there's a bunch of cheers for Black. Um, Cody took an ass whooping. Uh, he took kicks and stomps, um, and so. You know, uh, Cody started firing back and getting that baby face, you know, uh, come from behind. Uh, Rhodes, Cody actually grabbed a chair um, while the rest of the Nightmare family, Brock Anderson, Lee Johnson, made their way to the ring. Um, It it, it was undetermined if Cody was going to blast Malachi with the chair, thus cementing a heel turn. But um, he sure didn't. You know, Cody's gone on record saying he doesn't want to be a heel anymore in his career. He was a heel primarily for 80% of his WWE run, and he was a heel uh, going into the indies and New Japan, but he said that he had put that behind him now and just wanted to be a face, but when the fans don't accept you as a face, you know, what can you really do at that point? Um, uh, towards the end of the match, Andrade came out, um, you know, further showing that he uh, he and Al- uh, Malachi Black are working together in some sorts. Um, Anderson... Um, Arn Anderson planted his assistant with that classic double-A spinebuster that I love so much and I'll always pop for. Um, Black took out Arn with, uh, uh, with the spinning heel kick, and then Pac ran down to intercept Andrade. Um, the Dutch destroyer himself hit a moonsault on Cody, but Cody immediately no-sold it, got to his feet, 
and hit a crossroads for a two count. Um, Black hit an amazing diving double stomp from the top rope to Cody. And this is when I thought he was going to win. He hit a German suplex with a pin combination after that double uh, diving foot stomp. And I thought this was it. I thought Malachi was actually going to get the win. Um, but no, uh, Cody got up, hit his crossroads finisher twice, and actually hit a pretty nice Tiger driver uh, for the win. Um, I was a little disappointed that, you know, Cody actually got the win. Uh, but the match itself was great. I think this was their best match to date. Uh, Cody really showed out. Hitting that Tiger driver, I thought he was going to go for a pedigree, a la Triple H from WWE. I thought that was going to be... I would have popped. Crowd, you could hear the crowd gasping when he does the setup. And mm -hmm. then he hits the Tiger driver. But if he had done a, a pedigree, I would have I would have praised Cody. I would have had to buy a Cody shirt. So I think... Look. If you watch Fuego de Sol's vlog, oh, not Fuego, Sammy's vlog, Cody is very self-aware. I think he knows what the fans want, and I personally well, think... Yeah, he, he, goes, he goes into it on uh, Rose to the Top as well. I think this has been an elaborate work, and I think he's very slowly turning to that heel, and I think it's going to happen sooner or later. Now, I know Cody won, and I wasn't exactly happy about the finish as well, um, there's no selling. I think it was due to time because it looked like Paul Turner was like slapping on them, like, "Hey, y'all guys, like, we got like two minutes left to broadcast. Like, y'all need to wrap this up." And they're still trying to get the spots in for the match. I think they just ran out of time. Um, so that might be what you know that the those issues there were. But um, if you if you really want to break it down in context, like Black won the series, and I feel like Black's character is meant to be how the fiend was where every interaction with them changes that person uh for better or for worse so like if you remember wwe with fiends run when he had um his run-ins with certain characters they'd have like a certain change in their persona after dealing with the fiend like seth that with the fiend and then he ended up turning heel and now he's the messiah and stuff like that so i yeah, think he put Finn Balor. he put Finn yeah. Balor on the best run of his wwe career yeah it made him turn him back into the prince and go to NXT. So I feel like in in this realm, that's what Malachi Black is. I mean, he beat Dante. Like, let's take, for example, he beat Dante Martin. Dante Martin still has his brother coming back for that top flight uh, tag team whenever his brother decides to come back. But if you don't notice, like, if you didn't notice the promo with Leo Rush recently, I think it's this past Rampage, like a small little segment. Um, Dante Martin looked really tired. Like, he looked like he was tired and mentally drained. And, like, just the body language he was giving off to Real Lush was, like... Like, he, he wasn't the happy-go-lucky, like, upstart that he was. He looked like a different person. And that all started when after the Matakai Black match where he, he, he beat him and stuff like that. So, and if you notice, too, when Cody lost, he started, like, boarding on the edge where, like, you know, Arn Anderson... Brought back his old edge and told him, like, hey, you know, you need to get your shit together. And Cody was uh, starting to get more of an edge to him and sort of borderline on that heels and baby face. And even the Nightmare family, like, came out and, like, Red Velvet was giving him shit and everything like that. So I think that sort of implies that it's spreading to other people as well. Whatever, like, thing inhabits Malachi Black, that influence. That's the way I'm seeing it, you know? Like, first of all, Malachi won a series two to one. But... 
it seems like his character is not about wanting to win. He's, is he going to be a dominant force? Hell yeah. But it's all about changing that person or making them realize something. Kind of like how The Fiend was supposed to be. I imagine Bray Wyatt wanted that sort of uh, storyline moving forward with his characters to where like he beats them or he interacts with them and they change for better or for worse. And I guess sort of reveal their true selves to who they, they really are to come some sort of uh, curse or bad influence. So I... I'm okay with Cody winning, but I want to see what the payoff is. I'm pretty... I, I think this is one... Well, first of all, Malachi Black's my, my favorite thing right now going with WW, with AEW. Um, he's also freaking Forsaken Mural, that promo he cut too, that small vignette he had as well. I know we didn't touch upon that, but I love the character work that Malachi Black is doing. And I trust the booking to see where it goes. And I'm curious to see where it goes as well. Especially, you know, I think Cody's really self-aware. I think there's a slow burn coming for him. And I feel like when he actually does turn, it's going to be very impactful. And I'm really excited to see when that happens. I hope I so. Like I, I, I really, because I mean, again, maybe I don't like the character of Cody, but I mean, the in-ring speaks for itself. He had me, him and Malachi had me on the edge of my seat during that match, which I didn't really walk in invested for. So... I mean, hopefully it does pay off to something good because um, I did I did like heel Cody uh, back when he was the NWA you know world champ world champion. He got the title that they stole from his daddy, so I, I did like that run. But we'll, we'll see. Maybe it's just maybe I felt oversaturated by Cody when AEW first started off. But um, I mean, we'll see. We'll we'll see where they go from here. I think it has to do a lot of the pack. Cody's character is not bad. It's just that a lot of the people he's been facing are sort of fan favorites, the sort of people they want to see succeed and become who they were meant to be because they were misutilized by other companies like AWE. And I could run down the list. Brody Lee, Malachi Black, didn't even have a did they have a match with Miro? No, didn't, did they ever touch with Miro? Or no? I don't believe so. Anyway, you know... What bro, what, the people that Cody's been going against have been so much more interesting compared to Cody's character. Like, they want to see him get put over and stuff like that. Like, Eddie Kingston, Brody Lee, Malachi Black, to name a few, and probably the more bigger prominent names. Like, when I first saw Eddie Kingston come out, I was like, I saw, I saw his NWA work when he had a match with Cody back in during the pandemic. And I didn't know that, he, I know he had left the NWA, but I didn't know he was like basically on his last legs of wrestling because. He wasn't making money and, you know, pandemic happened and he was basically SOL. But when he came out and cut that promo, I was like, well, first of all, that's an attention getter. And second of all, like, I want to see this dude actually win because I actually really like Eddie Kingston. So I think a lot of the, the issue there that the fans have is just that the people Cody's been facing are people they would rather see win. It's not that Cody's a bad character or anything. They just rather see these other people um, go over. And... Um, Cody's done a good job of putting over a good talent and stuff. And there's some cases where he's got his win back and all that. But um, I think overall, it's been more good than bad in terms of that, the whole booking. Uh, but I really do think that the payoff would be Cody turning heel because I'm pretty sure he's really self-aware and he knows. And I feel like the road to the top shows sort of kind of blending in that kayfabe as well or whatever the modern kayfabe is. That's a good point. I mean, God, I can't say it any better than that. I think that's a, that's a very good spot to, to leave off on for this week. No, I'm telling you, man, my brain's just like full capacity yeah, right now. Yeah, quest bar, baby. No, it's the quest bar. I got Shoyo. 
uh, Final <laughs> Fantasy. You know, it's been it's been big chunky, but dude. So like, I'm really trying to get my costume together, man. And I went to like four or five different stores today. I'm getting pissed. You know, no, no one. I had like really stocky shoulders, and so every coat that I was trying on couldn't fit my shoulders, and I was just getting pissed. And then the one coat I did find, they didn't have the one I wanted, and they didn't really have my size either, because like they had the shoulders and stuff. But it was just like a little bit small around the 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 waist and everything, or like around the chest actually, because I have a real thick chest and shoulder, and pissed. Because I'm trying to be <laughs> off one from My Hero Academia, and I have the actual mask. I just need the overcoat and I need the pants. But if I can't find the pants, I'm I, I kind of don't want to go out and drive right now. Then whatever, fine, screw it. I'll, I'll try again <laughs> Saturday to go get the pants or Friday night. But if I have to wear like brown pants, it's fine. Whatever. <laughs> I mean, hopefully the re- hey, enjoy the rest of your Sunday. You still, we got we got football still. We got football tonight. It's only well, five Cow- o'clock. The, the, the Cowboys don't play. I'm winning in one yeah. league right now, so I'm winning in uh not the league where I, there's there's one league that I care about because we have an actual championship title that we're competing about. I should actually maybe I should post that on the Instagram story if people want to see it. Like, yeah, hey, dude. You know, yeah, post that up. Hell yeah, show it. Oh, if people listen to this and they say, hey, let's see the title, I'll show them the title. But if they don't nah, care, whatever. See, nah, show me, show I, me I, the title. Uh, yeah, I'll, t- I'll, text, I'll text it to you. <laughs> I'll, I'll show you. Uh, oh. But yeah, I'm winning on one league, and I think I'm pretty much going to win. And that's the one where <laughs> that's the one where I'm God's favorite champion. It's a picture of Miro. <laughs> and then the other one, um, I'm 4-2 right now, and I'm down. I think I'm going to lose this one. I'm down uh, about... 30 points, and I just got Kyler Murray and Brandon Cooks and uh, New Orleans' defense playing. And, you know, it's 5-17 at the half, so unless Kyler Murray pops off for two more touchdowns and Brandon Cooks gets a touchdown, I don't know, because he's, he's still got Jacobs and uh, Henderson Jr. from Detroit and Philly. Uh, oh, wait, I think Jacob, is Jacobs in Philly? No, nah, he's with the Raiders. He's got uh, – yeah. I'm pissed. I'm hey, the Raiders are losing. killing us. Yeah, so it ain't looking great. Yeah, well, you know, <laughs> when we get that lobster, I'll take a picture and be like, hey, you know, Ruben made us lobster because Cowboys. <laughs> I feel, I don't even want to say because I feel like one of those nerds, Cowboys, Cowboys fans are pretty insufferable sometimes. And I'm not trying to, it's just, it is yeah, what all it is. Like, are you? Every year, every year they're saying Super Bowl. And I'm like, look, if we get a Nate, I'm happy because at least we didn't decline, but we didn't get better. We're just <laughs> mid. We're just mid. I could tolerate that. As long as uh, it doesn't get any worse. Consistency. Consistently mediocre, mediocre, and I'm okay with that because it's yeah, like you want to try that again. Consistent mediocrity. Uh, how about shut up? <laughs> how, about, <laughs> how about you? Fuck, how about you try that? <laughs> I'll try outshowing this in this podcast, man. Uh, once again, uh, this has been uh, missing the marks. Uh, Nathan with the amazing intro earlier. God, I can't oh, man, to I'll, listen back. No, to I, I, I can't. I, no, don't put it up there, man. Everyone's gonna hear the seven car pile up. That is my fat tongue moving in my mouth, trying to spew out the rigor, uh, rigor more, rigor mortis, rig, Kendrick, rig, that, rig, rigamarole, rigamarole. Rigor Mortis, Kendrick <laughs> Lamar, that Kendrick Lamar song's a good song, Section 80. <laughs> I love this. I love this podcast so much. This, so great. This, uh, this, this episode was pretty, it was, it was, it was a lot more free-flowing and like, oh, lot, there was a lot happening. 
A lot more chaotic energy in this one. Mm-hmm. I love it. I love it, though. Uh, uh, once again, uh, I implore you all to follow us on podcast services all around the world. We're available on all of them. Uh, follow us on your favorite one. Leave us reviews. Uh, let me know what you think about the show. Uh, you know, you can uh, follow us over on Instagram. Um, if you do view this uh, as a podcast on YouTube for whatever reason, because you're a freak, uh, make sure you subscribe to the YouTube channel. Uh, oh, we do have baby. video interviews there. Uh, we have Chip Garrison, of course, and Avery Bro uh, for lending us their time a few weeks back. Um, and, and just again, thank you for all the support because uh, this is really fun that me and Nathan get to do this. And it feels good. It feels good to know people like listen to two marks ramble. So this is, thank this you for is, that. This is so stupid. How is UTSA at A&O only till the AP polls just came out? I just saw it. UTSA only went up yeah, one rank. Yeah, rank 24. No, they're 23 now. They're 8-0, they're and, no, and they only got pushed <laughs> up to 23. Are you kidding me? A&M jumped up three spots, baby. Let's go. Uh, you know, my, my, my best friend's from Baylor, and then my other friend's rooting for Oklahoma. And, you know, he was a big Spencer Rattler mark, but Spencer Rattler lost a star job to Caleb Williams. The week I bought my friend a Spencer Rattler jersey for his birthday. And so they're at number four, Michigan. My other buddy's a big Michigan fan. They're at number six. And George's <laughs> uh, t- shout, out, sh- shout out to Tony Chavone. George's so at number one. Intro. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> There's no out. I'm pit- you see, I'm, uh, say, God damn say, it. Say goodbye to the audience, Nate. And y'all have a good day. <laughs> Ignore me, football drive. I'll, I I can't even speak right now. Just 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 this is chaos, dude. And the podcast. <laughs> Thank you chaos. for tuning in. <laughs> Catch us next week, ladies and gentlemen. Goodbye. Have a good day, guys.